0: want to kind of kind of wrap up last week with an intro for this week, which feeds right into to where we're going anyway. But I want to point out something like talking about her being the Like We laugh about that. But the, ver- the the verse that started this whole thing was submit to one another. Right. So maybe there's a point in our walk where we, we understand that somebody is wiser and we do have to submit to part of what they're trying to grow us up in um, in a good way. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I think that takes maturity. That take, that takes what verse 18 says. That takes being filled with the spirit. Some people wonder how in the world you start this section on and then we got to verse six and you realize that y'all were wondering, how do we start this section with don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the spirit? And then we got to chapter six with raising kids, and you're like, Oh, now I understand. Um, because sometimes it takes a couple of those to No, because what, what we talk about being drunk, how how you handle life situations can be summed up in those two ways. He's not telling us walk around Like you're drunk on the spirit, that would be that would be weird. You know, when believers try to interpret that verse that way, it just it really it really baffles me. Because I'm like, why would God want you walking around like you're drunk and confusing people that way? He's not the author of confusion, uh, so it must mean something else. And it means how to handle some of this stuff. How do you handle being married and and doing it the right way? Well, you're filled with the spirit. You know, getting drunk off wine to handle something a good way to handle it, it'll mess you up. Um, you know, and 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 being filled with the spirit will allow you to. So I want to I wanna kinda ask this. And, uh, you can, you can blurt out or, or be brave enough to be quiet, whichever way. How many people got served last week? And I don't mean with papers from the court system. I mean what we're talking about in scripture if you were here last week with us. Only one person got served. Two. Oh, now they're all like, hold on. We got to experience. spiritual. Everybody put your hands up. How many people spouse? So this way you can tell on somebody else. That's more fun. Nobody wants to tell themselves, right? How many people's spouse actually asked them, can I serve you at least twice this week? All seven? Dang. Anybody other than Cliff do it all seven days? Half a hand. What Was that like, you're not sure? <laughs> you got to think about it. <laughs> How would we do it, serving? Because it doesn't really do all good to ask the question if you're not willing to obey, right? So it kind of comes a two part thing. Like it's one thing to ask. And I told you last week, I think we don't ask sometimes because we're scared to death of the answer. I, I don't know what she's going to say. I don't know what she's going to want me to do. So then you have that second part. Did you actually do what they said? Did, did you guys come together? where like, when he got home, you were more, or when she got home, whoever, I hate to sound sexist, but whoever got home, you know, after having a hard day at work, you know, was, was, was the other one like more concerned about them? It was the one who came home after having a hard day. Were they more concerned about the one that had been home dealing with the precious, lovely angels that they have at home? that I'm sure were making the life easier and more comforting. Okay. Yeah. Amen. So you guys are blessed already. <laughs> Submit- <laughs> Submitting ourselves to one another is so much better than defending and protecting ourselves, is it not? And I think that's part of what, what you know, Paul's getting at as he writes this section of of this letter. And for us men, he's telling us that, like, spiritual headship, it's not a license to do what you want to do. It's an empowerment to be doing what you ought to do. So you women are allowed to use that. That's scriptural, and that's okay. Uh, another question I wanted to ask this week after coming off of that and knowing these verses, how many men thought they should wear a crown at their house this week? You're the king of your castle, right? Cause I wanted to use this last week and I wrote, this is, this, this, this is serious. You might be the king of your castle and the first crown you wear is a crown of thorns. According to what scripture said, right? Scripture says we're the lover like Jesus loves, right? What crown did he put on crown of thorns, right? What one, one, not like we would normally be thinking of this kind of thing. So the very first crown you wear as the head of your household, man, is the crown of thorns. And as Paul gets to the end of this, this letter to the Ephesians, what he's saying is, man, all this, all this doctrine stuff we've been learning for so many chapters as we put it into practice. One of the best places we can put it into practice is our relationships. And that first, one we looked at for the longest last week, it's twice as long as other relationships that he goes into here for the next two weeks is that marriage relationships. just the husband and the wife. And, and, and then he goes on into the next relationship with it, which is being a parent, and a child. And then he goes into to that employer. So if you're like a bum like Cliff and then where you've got no job, no kids, you've only got one relationship to worry about. So that'll be really, really easy to go in. Right. Oh, they're grown. So you do have something you got to worry about. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. And I point out as we look at these relationships that the better our relationship is this way, the better it gets this way. Right. The more messed up it gets vertical, the more messed up it gets horizontal. In verse 21, he says, in order to do this, what does he say? You do this out of reverence for Christ. You don't do this because he's wearing a crown. You do this out of reverence for Christ. You don't do this just because of, of dot, dot, dot. You do this out of reverence for it. You don't even do it because it's a law. Because it's a command. You do it because you have a heart that wants to please have a father. And you're so, so in Christianity, we get so overwhelmed with our worship of, of God's precious gifts to us that it flows out into our relationships. And this is what Paul is, is really getting at. And, and I told you last week, we need to keep in mind That's why I had crystal way back to 18. It's one long run on sentence. So if you've got and I'm not saying it's always wrong, but if you've got this week, if you've got the NIV or, or some of the translations where it's got a period after some of these sentences, it'll mess up your doctrine. Because you look at them as different commands and different things. And with this long run on sentence, what well, Paul is getting at to make sure we understand is in the Greek, all this is connected. And he's saying, like, in order to do all this. It has to start with being filled with the spirit. And if you're not filled with the spirit, you're never going to get the rest of this stuff. And it goes into into more. I know last week we pointed out and I I do think it's primarily what Paul is saying. So I'm not excluding that. We talked about his husband to wife. But what we've made it this thing of like like man to woman. I can tell you guys on stage in front of everybody. You were right with something you taught me last week. I can say that. And it ain't none of y'all's business what it is. So it don't matter. You know what I'm saying? But, but is that I could have had that ego attitude. Oh, I'm the head of the church. I'm the man. Da, da, da. You ain't got no right. No. No, it called into question something I needed to check out. Somebody say something I didn't even know. All of y'all are like, what? What is it? I love it. Now you'll worry the rest of your lives about what it was. Let's not ever tell them anything. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> it's none of your business. Right? But it all, seriously, though, it all starts with being filled with the Spirit. If you're not filled with the Spirit, you can't handle any relationship right. You can't. You, you can't grow right. You can't do this. So the power to submit, you can say it this way, and I think this is a really good way to look at it. The power to submit in all these relationships is a supernatural given power, including you guys as kids to submit to parents. It's a supernatural power that you're going to get. Nobody wants to obey your mom and dad. Now, don't answer that. They're behind you. They're looking. I don't want to get you in trouble, right? But you can, you can say amen right there if you're brave enough, right? But but the truth is, like we, we do this because of supernatural power. We've filled our heart with reverence for Christ. And he's given us this spirit to do this stuff and to grow this way and to write this stuff. So you, you, you could sum it up this way as we get to the end. I don't want to make this. I told the men uh, Wednesday night, we got three chapters of doctrine. We called it doxology. And then we get three chapters of, of praxology. Um, now, that's not a word. You're not going to find it in your dictionary. That's a made up word for me. And it's good. But, but it's doctrine and then practice. And the order is vital. If you don't get the doctrine right, you don't get the belief right, then you can't get the behavior right. Because you're doing it for the wrong reason. Makes sense? Right? So, so we need to get that right belief, then right behavior. So, and obviously, as we, we look at week marriage is not finding somebody to make you happy. It's gospel reenactment. We are reenacting the gospel through this relationship. We're going to reenact the gospel through this parent relationship as well. Marriages, they don't fail because people fall out in love with each other. Marriages fail because people fall in love with Jesus. Okay? And the further. Let me, let me give it to you this week. This is a good way to look at it. Let me get. I was going to have two totally different people, but that'd be a little weird, so we don't want to do that. Let me get two married people. We've already had open relationship discussion this morning, so we we, we don't want to go there. Jeremiah, go to that corner. Angie, go to that corner. All right? And we're going to use the cross, right? You can just go to your front corner. You ain't got to get further away from it, unless you want to. Or get further away. It's good, too. Oh, she's going all the way to her corner, too. Never mind. All right. All right. So you see how this makes a triangle? Everybody see the triangle? All right. So for God's sake, don't give a real example. You understand that? Okay. For the Lord's sake, don't give a real example. All right? I want you to yell across your triangle and correct him at something he needs to do. Not a real example. (laughs) (laughs) she's like well he's a good mechanic we all know that ain't the problem fix the truck Jeremiah that's what she's yelling now did that draw them any closer they're not any closer all right now this is the Lord because he's part of the triangle we want to make sure we got him right did it get him closer to the Lord it didn't all right so she could shout out like two or three more things and you would get the same response right we could agree with that so we don't have to take too much time Lunch is outside, so you guys don't have to worry about going anywhere, so it's, it's fine, right? All right, Jeremiah, shout out something to her. Maybe as the spiritual leader, the man of the household, your shouting will draw her closer. Go. Go get some food. <laughs> <laughs> Such a smart man, right? Such a smart man. Did, did it move her closer? Did it get her closer to the Lord? Huh. All right, so now this is a triangle. Is it safe to say most marriages are unequally yoked as far as in your walk? Man, that sounded weird to say because scripture tells you to be equally yoked. So I exclude that wording. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like we're not normally equal in our walk at the same time. Is that, is that safe? Right? For the most part. Yeah. That's why anybody who tells you it requires 50-50 is bull. You give 100 all the time because you're going to have to fill in for somebody else when they're, they're dropping off. Does that makes sense. We understand that. There is no 50-50 in marriage. That means when I'm having a really good week and I got 80, I get to pocket 30 of them. Right. I only got to get 50-50, so I'm going to pocket my 30. That's stupid. Does that make sense? Huh? If you're at 20, then somebody's got to pick up the slack. Right? I'm just saying. That's what it's got to be. So that's how it works. All right. So given that principle, this is still a triangle. Angie just got awesome in her prayer life. Right? Like not for real. Y'all, y'all go with the illustration, right? Like, like she finally got this prayer thing right. And she's overcome a hurdle. So climb right over that first row. Oh, straight up over it. I want you to be like redneck. You might be from the north, but we're going to turn you into a... Come again. You is praying, baby. Woo! Hey, all right? You should cheer it on. we the encouragers. Man! Hey, oh, oh, let me ask something. Let me ask something. Did she get closer to the Lord just now? Through prayer. Through practicing doctrine. Now, any any uh geologist... No, not geologist. What's that thing called? Trigonometry? What is it? Geometry. Geometry. Yeah. I actually made an A in that class. Just, you know, I was just kidding. Right. All right. Now, is she any closer to her husband? What? You failed that class. Right. She was in the corner. You can't even see. What are you talking about? Right. Huh? Huh? She was like 10 feet behind her. Is she closer? Oh, no, she's not. You didn't do enough. Now she's reading the word. Now she's reading to climb over. Just don't kick Rachel in the face. Come over again. Except for you need to be a straight line. So you need to be in front of Cliff. You should have come right over the top of his head. You should have jumped right over him. Hey man, she's reading the word and she's praying now. Is she closer to the Lord? Now is she closer to her husband? Oh, now you can actually see it. Right? So the closer she's getting to the Lord, the closer she's getting to her husband, that bum's still in the corner. But, but what's the result? He can be a bum in the corner because the closer she gets to the Lord, the closer they get together regardless, right? You see how the unequally yoked thing doesn't work? Or Oh man, I'm messing that I need to quit using that word. You see how the 50-50 thing don't work? It doesn't work. She just did all the work. But she's closer to the Lord. And she's doing the work for the right reason because she's aiming this way. And in the process of aiming this way, doing work again here, she's now getting closer here. Man, now she hits a roadblock though. All your little ones are in the back, so we can call them brats, right? Those little brats drove her nuts one day. Just sit down right there. You're done. You can't grow no more. (laughs) That brother right there is on the spiritual high. Go ahead and just sprint up here like he'd been witnessing to Jesus. He done testified like he got something going on up inside of him that he had going up inside of him And so long. Oh, stop right there. You can't get all the way. (laughs) Y'all seen Hitch, right? You never go all the way. You go 90-10. That's stupid for this illustration. I don't even know why I said it. Right? Did he get closer to the Lord? Yes. Did he get closer to his wife? Yes. Right? What if she took a couple more steps, like something good happened? I don't even know what, but like she just she just did it, right? Man, now what what if they were both taking steps? Like they started doing Bible study together, so they both take one step at a time, right? And then 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 as a spiritual headship, he put on the crown of horn, crown of horns, crown of thorns, right? Yeah. Come on, Lord, be with me today. You know I need to help, right? He put on the crown of thorns and and like he started a family devotion. So now now they're they're taking big steps together and then they keep going. They keep going. And they're right to Christ. But what are they also right next to? One another. You see the illustration now? huh? The closer we get to the Lord, the closer we get to one another. You guys ask all the time, what can I do to make my marriage right? What book do I need? What psychology do I need to go see? What, what, What practice? What video? What what do I need to listen to? You want it? It's right here. It's been the number one bestseller its entire life, and that's not even a phrase. Like that's not advertising. That's for real. Number one bestseller every single year, even with the corrupted, heaped up culture we got going on outside. You don't need all that other stuff outside. You just need this. And man, when they get close enough where this is what ties them together, let get a little closer, like you love one another, right? Man, how awesome it is, right? Right? right nice. Man. <laughs> the truck and cook some food woman you know what i'm saying guys do we do we understand like lab this is why lab one was so important though and this is why i think god did it on purpose where we didn't get to wrap it all up last week and we get this little extra intro right here because if mom and daddy get right what then happens well god we said last week he's like this scientist right and he's got these laboratories and the first laboratory was the marriage laboratory so, he, so he's working in there and then the next laboratory is, is that parent child thing Now, some of you are thinking, and Doreen was even thinking it. She told on herself, you're in like one of six positions in life. You're either a son or a daughter. You're a a mama or a daddy, or you're a combination of both. That makes sense? So in case you read this and you're like, ah, these four verses a day, they're not going to apply to me at all. Are you breathing? Are you alive? Then you are a son or daughter, right? You were born. you, You were there. You got a parent. Somewhere, even if it's a spiritual parent, you're telling me my parents suck. Well, that, that does suck, but they're spiritual parents. So there's some other other people in your life, right? All right. So so then also, then if you have it, then you become a combination. So this these, these verses have something for everybody, man. Everybody. And just just look at them as we, as we go back. Now, Crystal read the important stuff that she needed in her walk with the Lord. So I'm just going to skip down to like verse one of chapter six. My wife is great, by the way. She I can let her be the neck with a smile on my face. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. I want to point out verse one this right here before we even jump into this whole thing. You notice how each of these relationships is showing us how we relate to the Lord, right? Like that's that's part of Paul's Paul's thing. Notice how the, the command is different. Wives were to submit, right? Husbands were to love. Right? Now children are to obey. Now I prayed and I asked the Lord why he couldn't have said wives obey your husbands but he just didn't do it um, and he hadn't changed scripture yet. So it must be a reason, right? Why? Because we're we're gradually growing in this thing and become better. You're going to teach your kids to obey. Your kids learn to obey God by how they obey you. That means this and what Paul is saying is clear. That means they learn to obey you before they even know who the Lord is. Right? I mean nobody's waiting till they well if they get that age of what do we call it? I don't I forgot what we call it now in the Baptist church. What is it? Age of accountability. I knew some of you Baptists would have got it right. That age of accountability when everything matters. Nothing matters before then. Everything just matters after then. I don't know where y'all come up with that dumb idea. But anyway, like we have that. We have that practice that's been preached and practiced forever in the South for some strange reason. Right? So like you got do you not practice and teach your children them until they hit that age of accountability? Huh? I started teaching mine right, right after they come out, right? We really taught the second one because we learned with the first one whining so much why it was bedtime. He was going to stay in the bed the whole night whether he wanted to or not. He could cry himself to sleep. Now did he know who the Lord was? But was I teaching? Was he obeying? He didn't have a choice. He couldn't move his legs yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but think about that. That's how this thing goes. So as we jump on this thing and we get into this, this extra lab, we need to understand like, like the relationship and the lessons are changing. And each one of them. you can say it this way. This way I wrote it down. and I realized it puts a huge burden on you. Parents, you become the training wheels. Like you get to fill in for God for like this little short period of time. And you become the training wheels for how your kids going to learn obedience. Spiritually speaking. That's a huge responsibility, man. I mean, that's big time. A lady wrote this out. She said, if your child lives with criticism, they learn to condemn. If your child lives with hostility, they learn to fight. your child lives with ridicule, they learn to be shy. A child lives with shame. He learns to feel guilty. A child lives with tolerance. He learns to be patient. If a child then lives with encouragement, he learns some confidence. If a child lives with praise, he learns to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. If a child lives with security, he learns to have faith. If a child lives with approval, he learns to like himself. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he learns to love the world. Guys, your attention on your children is going to mold and shape them into who they're going to be. If as they grow older, here's a hard truth just to understand, right? If if they grow older, you ain't happy with who they turn it into, you better go back home and look in your mirror. You know what I'm saying? Because the Lord has put this burden and this thing on you, right? So what voice as a parent are you obeying? Go back to the thing we looked at with marriage. We do the same thing with, oh, I want to be a par- better parent. So we buy these books and we jump on these websites. And we go hire this psychology and we go hire this sociology and we we go in all this. Why don't we just go to the word? Why don't we just go to the word that's got it all right there for us if we would just open it and get a hold of it? Why why don't we just and maybe we should have did this this morning. Maybe we should have like taken some time to to fully pray and just let the Holy Spirit come in. Because I can't fill all the gaps on parenting in 45 minutes. That's impossible. So I'm going to do like Paul did. I'm kind of going to hit some of the highlight moments. And then you guys ought to be filling or praying for the spirit to fill in all those gaps. Man, where there's a quick, or go back and study yourselves and, and check this stuff out, right? That's, that's what we're commanded to do. So, so we, we get this first thing where, where, where we do this. And then the second thing in the second verse, what Paul does, he ties this thing back to the Ten Commandments. What does he say? Honor your father and your mother. The fifth commandment, which you could say is almost like right in the middle, of the hinge that connects the first four that go this way and the rest of them that are going to go outward. Right? And, and he ties these two together, and even even reminds them of a of a promise that the the the, the now you can look at this two ways. Some people say well, that original promise was only given to a select group of people. You know the promise, right? If you obey your parents, you will live long, right? And I'm not saying that promise wasn't just given to them, but what I'm also saying is this: if you listen to your mama and don't do stupid stuff, you live longer. Does that make sense? <laughs> if you listen to your daddy, he won't kill you. <laughs> Oh, so you get to live longer that way. It it makes sense, right? So, so, so despite all that, it's it's just, to me, it's almost like common sense, man. When they are young, we represent, we get to be this figure for them to learn and grow in, and that's a huge responsibility, right? But youth, teens, middle schoolers, whatever age group you're in, please understand this, we said last week, stay in your verse, right? We did! And some of y'all use that, and hopefully it brought some good stuff into your your walk and your communication, and some of you use it in a negative way, and I do both sometimes too, so that's okay. Somebody asked me, he said, man, do you really do all that stuff that you talked about last week? Yes, when I'm preaching on marriage, of course I do. For that whole week, I did everything I was supposed to, um, and, and then it began to go away. So just like this, week, I'm going to be a really good dad this week, that's what I'm talking about, right? So like, I, so good I sent the kids away, so they couldn't disagree with me as i are sitting here, right? But... <laughs> Think about this. This is your verse. What is he saying? Who's the letter written to? Now, not the same answer in case you're thinking I'm trying to provide the same answer to you, right? The letter is written to the church, the Ephesians. And as he gets through this thing, he preaches, he preaches, he preaches, he preaches. And lastly, he said wives. Then he said husbands. And now what does he say? Children. He's talking to you. Meaning, this guys two things because this will surprise some of you. Kids were actually in the church back then. I know it just blew your mind. You're like, you thought they buried them somewhere and come back and picked them up afterward. No, they were in the church. They were probably running around and causing disruptions. Maybe that's why when he get to this part of the letter, he said, "Let's talk to him." Right? But he says, "Drake," says, "You guys, you obey and you honor." Right. Now, part of teaching, because I don't give you the same rule I give husbands and wives. They got to stay in their verse. Your mom and daddy going to be all up in your verse. Right. You could apply that to switch some words around. But anyway, they're going to be all up in it. Why? Because if they're training and teaching you the right way, they got to teach you your verse. Right. But it's your verse. You've got to step up. You've got to man up and understand like the way I submit to my parents is in the future. Most likely going to be the way I submit to God. And that changes everything then. Right. You wonder, well, what age group does this stop? Well, th- this guy is like super smart because what does he say? He says, kids obey. And then what does he go in? Then he goes in and says, later you honor. Notice how it changes. You've always got a responsibility. It's just the responsibility has shifted just a little bit. Huh? Not only means that children have the responsibility to obey, but parents have the responsibility to teach their children disobedience. What he's saying, Right? And it is essential that a parent teach Child obedience, if not, what scripture's is saying is a child's gonna grow up not knowing how to obey God, even when he doesn't understand everything or doesn't want to. Think about it. When you're, when you first start instructing your kids stuff, do they understand why you're telling them something? No. When you first start your walk with God, or later in your walk with God in all honesty, do you understand why he's telling you to do certain stuff? Not at all. But you obey, right? What, what we've done is we, we've done this thing called delayed obedience. That's what we started training. We started training delayed obedience. Now, in the Greek and the Hebrew and the English, first time all three line up. This is a joke. So if you're writing this down as a note taker, please understand that. Right. So the Greek, the Hebrew and the English delayed obedience translates into the same word. Disobedience. Right. Now, what I mean by that, you're like, oh, no, we don't teach that. We teach direct obedience. Do you? Because I thought I did. And I got my little toes crushed, right? Because here's what I would do. Paxton, you clean up your room. One, two, three. What have I actually taught, Paxton? You clean up the room sometime between I say your name and I say number three. I haven't taught immediate obedience. I taught delayed obedience, which is disobedience. Now, you can do the right thing for the wrong reason, too, right? You got to teach why you do stuff. Right? Does that make sense? Everybody's looking at me like, no, that doesn't make sense. You can even be spiritually on fire for the Lord to do the right thing for the wrong reason. Does that make sense? Everybody's looking. Here, easy example for you because it's an easy one to go to. You remember when they were toting the Ark of the Covenant? Right? God said, this is the Ark of the Covenant. I've got these rules established. You've got these rods. This is the way you're to tote it. This one guy, you remember him, right? Like the Ark goes to fall because clumsy people are walking, toting it, and, and he's got so much love for God. The right thing. Am I right? Like loving God is a really good thing. We would not disagree, correct? That he thinks his little sinner hands are cleaner than the dirt on the ground. So what does he try to do? Tries to catch it. Well, what does God do to him? Kills him. You see now how you can do the right thing for the wrong reason And God? Everybody's like, man, that's a horrible example, but it's real. Right? It'll prove a point in a heartbeat. Huh? Parents, how they learn to respect you and submit to you is how they're going to learn to submit to God. Right? Right? And we talked about this, and we always try to use this to get out of stuff, right? Last week, we wanted to know, like, how far the boundary is, you know, or a couple weeks ago, we were talking about sex. How far is the boundary before I can cross the line? This week, it would be the immediate question of, well, how old do I have to be to quit listening? Right? I would assume that the people he's talking to when he says obey is people who are still living in the house, right? Because you better obey if you're still under the roof. Right. And I think as he switches to honor, it's somebody who finally got a job and got out on their own. Right. So I don't know what age that is for each person. But but as it applies to to us, it applies to our whole lives, by the way. Men, we looked at this back in Matthew a few weeks ago. Remember, the the, the, the religious people were getting on Jesus. They're like, man, your people aren't doing this. What's the first thing Jesus comes back at him at? Well, your people are trying to find a way out of tending to the parents when they get older. You realize that? But like they were commanded to tend to their parents and they were using religious ways. Dedicated my money to the church so I didn't have to give it to my parent. You know, so study Matthew and check it out. It's there. Right. And, and Jesus gets on them about it. He's like, you're trying to find ways to get out of doing what you're supposed to be doing." The point is obeying God. And you do that through honoring your parents. Right. You do that through being the training wheels. Right. By the time you leave the house, you're supposed to have a shift of that authority. This is what it's supposed to be from your parents to the Lord. And if the authority is shifted the right way, you bring honor to your parents. That makes sense? If the authority didn't shift, then you're in trouble. Right? So, so here's some practical ways. Because we're practical people, right? We want, we want real practical ways. Here's some practical ways you can still honor your parents. Call them. Yes, just with that cell phone thing that you have. It's that easy. Call them. Keep them involved in your lives. No parent ever feels like they're consulted too much or too little in your life. I promise. Okay. Call them. How about asking their opinion? They've got a lot of years on you. They probably got more opinions than you got. Right? I don't mean you got to take their opinion, by the way. But honor by calling and checking it out. Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you think about this? Right? How about three? How about just saying thank you? Is that hard to do? You ever just look at somebody after they've done something for you and you say, thank you, I'll take care of them. And, and then that fourth one, the thing we just talked about with Jesus and Matthew, making sure they're taken care of in their old age. Huh? Making sure when they are retired and don't have a job, that they still got food on the table. Right? Make, make it, make, still making time to be with them. Making memories with them. This is the way you honor them. Being obedient to the Lord and doing what the Lord's uh, bathed in your life to do. Now, understand this. I love, I don't think it's a complete accident. I love how Jesus come in and set the example for this as, a, as, as future daddy, Abba Father, because he is one with the Lord, right? But then as a child also, right? Because he's obedient to Christ all the He's obedient to the Abba Father all the way to the cross. So we know that one. But you ever read anything about Mary being like, oh, that little disobedient heathen? <laughs> no. Because he listened to her. He could have looked at it and said, woman, I'm actually God. I'm not going to listen to you. But he didn't. And some of y'all need to understand this. I think Jesus had a stepdaddy on purpose because he knew how messed up our world was going to be years later and how often and common that was going to end up being. So what did he say? He said, I'm going to teach you even how to obey your stepdaddy. Because what did he do? Well, he must have really liked him because he took after him in his job. Correct? What was his daddy? A? And what did Jesus become? All right. So therefore, it must have been some honor right there, right? Man. Jesus and dad, carpentry, come get you some, right? Now, as we shift, check this out. And I think this is big. I think this is why the order is so important all throughout the whole book of Ephesians. As we look at parents and we shift to there, how you treat your spouse, parents, how you treat your spouse, the first relationship we're told to handle is going to speak volumes for the model you set for your kids and the way they handle their spouses later in the future. Right? They get used to you treating her crappy. Guess how they're going to treat their future spouse? Crappy. right. And and vice versa. If they see you madly in love and always taking care of stuff, you know, and and handling stuff the right way and submitting and serving. And i was like, guess what they're going to do? They're going to do the same thing. Right. So how you how you handle your your first relationship, your spouse speaks volumes and such a great model for our kids. Maybe you could say it this way: the two most important things you can do if you want to raise kids right is one, have an awesome relationship with Christ, then have an awesome relationship with your spouse, and let them see it played out. Right? That'll get your child relationship, parent-child relationship, headed in the right direction. Matter of fact, while I'm here, kids, teens, do not you go? To You've got a lot. Of, I'm just gonna look at y'all because y'all just like the front row. All right, there's a couple scattered out, but but y'all got like right here. I can I can see most of you. Right? You got a lot of potential. Now I'm not saying. Mom and daddy's hadn't made it hard sometime and all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying, like, you got potential to make life at home easier. You do by listening and obeying. Right? They might not have to argue so much if you would just do what you're supposed to do. I thought about it. All kidding aside. I don't ever remember arguing with my wife until we had kids. I really don't. I think there was one little thing during the wedding, and I was I, I took her, I told her when they got married, I took his exam. I said, like, I ain't had nothing to do with that wet I don't care. You know, all I care is that you at the end and that we going somewhere afterwards. Right? <laughs> Everything in between don't matter, baby. Right? No, that, was like, that was it. And then, like, less than two years later, these little people come around. And they put some strain and some stress. Right? That doesn't give us the right to allow that. But I'm just saying, like, if we're going to be honest about this, and if Paul's going to be bold enough to call you out in the letter, I'm going to call you out in this and tell you it can be easier if you guys would just do some of the stuff you're supposed to do. If you just obey the way you're supposed to obey, right? Some of your lives are hard because of dumb choices you've made. Let's just be honest about it, right? Some of your wiser parents are able to tell you, like, I have a stupid decisions, so don't make the same one I've made, right? Some of the extra tension in the house is caused because of their lack of care, lack of obedience. But, keep in mind this, just like I said last week, just as the, the, the husband or the wife doesn't have to do what they're supposed to do because the other one's not doing what they're supposed to be, it don't mean parent and child don't mean that either, right? Like just because they're not obeying and honoring don't mean you get to quit teaching and beating, right? You're like, I'm not going to quit beating. And that's what I'm aiming for, beating in the right way. We're going to get on that, right? And the same thing for kids. Just because your parents screwed up, they don't give you the right not to listen and do, right? Ah, let me jump into this, parents. I'm going to use fathers a lot because that's the way Paul uses it. I do believe everything he says applies to all parents, though. All right, verse 4. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. But bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Your first little mini point is so easy is this. Honor is easier to give to those who deserve it. That might apply back to the marriage one as well. Honor is easier to give to those who deserve it. Now, again, it doesn't mean because they don't deserve it, we don't give it. I'm just saying it's easier to give to those that deserve, right? This is a, We live in a time and society where like deadbeat dads, abusive fathers, Men who don't feel their responsibility to do this stuff. Matter of fact, I read a survey Thursday night. When I got home. I was, I was reading from, um, from work. Like uh, Crystal was at third Thursday. She was bringing the boys. So give me some extra reading time. And, and I'm reading this survey. It's like the top ten fears and concerns of men. Children didn't make the list at all. How is children not going to make the list of our top ten concerns? And you want to know why? We've got some of the mess we've got in. I'll tell you where this whole thing's really gone and why Paul focuses so much at the end on this thing is I think if you guys know the frog test where they put a frog in water and, and he's comfortable and then they gradually turn the heat up just a little bit and he stays there and they turn up just a little bit more and he stays there and they turn all the way up to where it boils him to death and he stays there. He could have jumped out in the pot at any time. We've got comfortable with stuff we should have never been comfortable with and now it's just easier to stay in the pot. Getting boiled to death. Right? That's what we've done, I believe. Maybe not, men of God. You ought to take this as a challenge to improve ourselves. I mean, it really ought, it ought to be something that that we, we stand up and we want to honor God and we want to receive the honor that's due to us by what God said, right? I I, I got to know. Please circle, highlight, whatever. I already said it. That it says fathers. You notice every time there's parenting instructions, it's always given to men, huh? But yet, who do we see do more of the parenting in today's world? Oh. How about the book of Proverbs, right? You go to the book of Proverbs, probably contains, if you need an extra book to read for for parenting, this is it, Proverbs, probably contains most of the parenting instructions out of any other book in Scripture. Who's it addressed to? A man. It's a daddy writing to his son telling him how to do this stuff, right? Does this not illustrate even more boldly that God has called men to be the spiritual leaders of their home? Anyway, we get mad about it and we have all these debates on what women can and can't do, women wouldn't have to be stepping up to the plate and doing the stuff they do, and it wouldn't be a debate if we were doing what we were supposed to be doing. That's the easiest way to look at it, right? Like, oh, well, all over churches all over the world now, like there's there's just women, they're taking over. Yeah, because you sat on the couch and did nothing. Thank God they took over and kept the church afloat for as long as it's kept it afloat. Rather than arguing about what they can and can't do, let's just be like, thank you. Thank you for filling the shoes. Thank you for stepping up when somebody else did. Thank you for carrying the torch. Now let's get it back right and do it right way, right? I could stay on that for a long time, but I told y'all we didn't on time today. Two weeks over, I'm not allowed to go to third. Right? Number four, again, do not provoke your children to wrath. Guys, as parents, we've got a huge opportunity to make our kids angry. But there's a right way to do this and a wrong way to do this, right? Overcritical attitudes, that, that'll 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 make them a little angry. Right. What does it say? We're supposed to be training them up to do this kind of stuff. Right now, this is written. And, and please understand, this is why this is so neat for this time frame. This is written to a time frame where they live that old school way of whatever daddy said went. He didn't have to care about nothing else. So what is what is Paul actually saying? He The gospel's introducing a fresh element. He's saying parental responsibility now is to actually think about that little fellow's feelings. They never had that thought before. It's always just been whatever I say goes. Now he's, he's, he's increasing this and up in the standard a little more. And he's saying, no, now you get to think about how it makes them feel when you tell them to do something. Right? It's no longer just this absolute uh, thing. This is a revolutionary concept that's going on. When you're disciplining a kid, let me put it this way. Don't you dare discipline a kid. I'm not even going I'm not even sure to go shirt or around. Don't you dare discipline a kid when you're in need of discipline yourself. You understand what that means? That means if you can't control yourself, you probably need to step away from the problem for a little while. Right? Because how can you discipline somebody when you're in need of discipline yourself? That makes sense? Have that. Ha- Just have the courage to do that, man. Have the courage to step aside when you need to. Now, there's two ways we bring up wrath. Two main ways. There's probably more than that. Two main ways we provoke wrath in our children. The first is a lack of discipline. You understand that? It's not usually the discipline that brings up the wrath. It's a lack of discipline. Look out in the world today. Those that aren't disciplined, what are they doing? Whatever they want. Why? Because they never had a standard set before them. Right? So, so, so they've gone this way. The second way is this, and please understand, when I think back to how Paul has started this letter, I now think it ties in perfect to this relationship so well. Right? Because because what's the second way you can provoke a, a child to wrath is this. You realize each of your children is uniquely made. I never understood how opposite three people could be until I had three kids. And you're like, I don't think you can be opposite three ways. You can I don't know how it's possible, but it became possible, right? And I, and I think if you had more kids, you would say, well, opposite can be four ways and five ways and six ways and, you know, whatever it ends up being, right? Like, like they, they, they're, they're just so different. And I say that to say this. If you punish, if you punish all your kids the same, you're probably missing the mark somewhere. Your kids are wired differently. They're uniquely made. They are God's great gift you know, in, in, in his creation thing. And if we punish them all the same, that means we think they're all the same when they're not. There's some kids you can give a stern look to and they straighten right up. There's some kids that need a whole bag of switches. Right. And, and, and that's what it takes. i like, we got one each over here. Right. Amen. I got a couple of myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. But it but it makes sense when you really think about it. Right. You and the problem is sometimes maybe this. Sometimes maybe as parents, we get so busy that we don't learn our children. Maybe that's the main problem. Maybe we hadn't learned our children and maybe we hadn't learned what makes them sensitive enough. And maybe we hadn't learned how to handle situations the way they need to handle situations. If the stern look could get it done, why get a switch? Does that make sense? Oh, Pastor, you saying we shouldn't beat them? No, because I'm thinking if they need a daily beat, you daily beat them. Or time out or whatever the heck you do with them. I don't care how you punish your kids. That's between you and them and the Lord. Right? I'm just telling you the Lord said there ought to be some punishment and some discipline to train them up the right way. Does that make sense? But I also know when I read this verse and I check it out and study what he's saying, it means that if I look and get it done, I don't need to get a switch. But also, if I need a switch to get it done, I'm not going to negotiate with a little terrorist. Does that make sense? Why am I going to count to three if I know I'm going to get to three every single time? That's a waste of both our times. I taught delayed obedience, and now I still got to beat them. Or put them in timeout, whatever you guys do. You tell we beat in our house, right? right so... We do both, by the way. We want to bargain with them. You don't bargain with a terrorist. All right, America got that principle right, man. Huh? You don't start counting or none of that stuff unless they know number one is it. Huh? Chapters one through three, God designed. What did he talk about? He talked about how he did, how he designed us, how he loves us, how he created us, right? And he talked about how he filled us with his spirit. Well, if he designed us all unique, then a spirit-filled home requires parents who are submissive, submissive to God's design for each of those children. That makes it hard, guys, because it's not a one way gets it all done. Do you understand that? I think we fall in a trap sometimes where in the world we think, oh, it's just one way for everything. No! Each person God handcrafted and made different, that means it ain't one way for all of them. You got one kid you gotta do this with, you got another, you know what I'm saying? Like, like one kid just wants to sit in a room with you and they feel loved. The other kid, you know, for some reason, you got to be actively playing a board game with the other kid. You got to be in the yard with the the other kid who I, we don't even have because we well maybe they do because they're bipolar and they got two of each on each of the children. And then you know, it's just different. Each of them's different. Each of them requires different. Each of them needs different. That's okay. That's a good thing. Let's just praise God for the uniqueness He's made us in. Right? How boring would life be if we we're all the same? Then the big part, probably the biggest part. Bringing them up in the training, still verse 4. Man, verse 4 would stay on for a while, right? Bringing them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. That means your primary focus as a parent is character development. That's what it's meaning, right? You're shaping their heart toward God. Gospel-shaped discipline is less concerned about controlling behavior and more concerned about the shape of their heart. T- taking it even further just to prove it. that That means when, when you're getting stirred up in anger, most of the time it's because... You've shifted into behavior controlling. Am I right? When you're stirring up anger, it's because you want to control, you want to make them just like you, or just like that model kid in the book, or just like that little dork at the other school that never, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you've done that. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw it out there real, right? Huh? Your convenience is more important than their development is what we happen. Am I right? When, when we get real with it? Yeah, how many, how many parents ever said this? Don't embarrass me. All of us, right? We said that, right? Don't, don't embarrass me. It's why you got one standard at home and another standard in public. <clears throat> Bodie Balkum says, if you can't say amen to that, you should have said ouch. Right? Think about it. You got one standard at home, you got another standard in public. Why? Well, you've now trained your kid to understand that you behave two different ways, which has created what? Hypocrisy, which is what she just said the Lord hates. So now we've trained him up to be hypocrites. Are we doing a good job? Hmm. Maybe not. Right? One set standard. God has one. You don't understand God has one set standard for you, right? Maybe, maybe that's the problem. Maybe we didn't understand because we thought we were supposed to, we grew up in church, so we were supposed to act holy on Sunday and act however we wanted the rest of the week, and we developed ourselves two standards, so now we thought we could raise our children to have two standards. That should have been a real ouch. Hmm? And there's other books on this stuff, man. But you can't, you get it all. Even the other books that got it good, they got it from scripture, I promise you. Huh? Training is the same word as chastening in Hebrews chapter 12. Admonition is the same word as teaching. I should have just said the teaching word. It was easy, right? But they're both in Scripture. Look at 2 Timothy 3.16 and 1 Corinthians 10.11. Both the purpose of Scripture right here. Parents raise their children on the Word of God. All Scripture, everybody say all. All scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. What if when you open your word with the kids? That was the principle you were going off of. What if when you open the word with your wife? Or your husband? Or a coworker, if you don't have any of those relationships? Right? Because we're going to get there next week. What if we what if when you open the word? These, these are what the thoughts you have. We're going to use the scripture to do what? to teach one another, to rebuke. you think it's a bad rebuking or a good rebuking the way it's worded in there? I think it's a rebuking with purpose. You're not just rebuking to make them feel bad. You're rebuking so we can get some some change going so we can say, hey, you were right. Let's get it fixed for next time. Right? It's easy, man. Huh? Correcting, training. Training how? Oh, specifically training in righteousness. Would he become righteous all at once? No, we've talked about it before. Righteousness is a process. It's like sanctification. You're getting more right. You're getting closer. It's a triangle. You're getting closer to the Lord with more steps you take. Now we didn't do it for the sake of time, but don't you think there's steps where they could have went backwards, right? And if they took step backwards, they'd not only be getting further away from the Lord, they'd also be getting further away from there. Which, with the little angels in the middle, what does that mean? They're now torn further apart, right? Because they don't know who to follow. How about how about the next one? Now these things happen to them as examples. Oh, these were examples. We're supposed to actually use this stuff. Like it's not just story time. And they were written as a writing, warning to us. Oh, it's a warning too. On whom the ends of the ages have come. What's he talking about? He's talking about you use all this stuff that's written in here, not only as, as examples to learn from, but as warnings to go against also, if that's what it is, right? Huh? Somebody say, well, I, I just need a good example to follow as a dad. I remember sitting down with a couple of guys. They were already they were already dads, but they had made some mistakes in life, and and they just got to a point where they were ready to get right. And they said, "Well, I, I need to." One of, one of them made me feel good. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, it, 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 it's scary, right? One of them was like, "Man, I, I just need to do 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 like you're doing." No, 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 no. You don't. You know why Paul talks about these relationships? Because you can't fake these relationships at home like you fake them in the world. And I'm not trying to tell you I'm the biggest faker or anything like that. But I'm telling you, obviously, I can put on a way better show here than I can at the house. This is being honest, right? I don't need to lie about it. There's, there's, there was moments this morning. I want my, my. Well, oh, she's not here, man. She's upstairs, pain. Haley, I tell you what. I told her I was gonna do to the printer. <laughs> Y'all laugh. I'm dead serious. She was going to the barn to get me to steal bat, my little girl. You know how awesome a little girl that is. I said I want to beat that printer. That it can't print no more. I kept it clean, but I was mad. She knew I was serious. She said, Daddy, you want me to go to the barn? There's a bat in there. For that split second before I hit and call mama to come fix this stupid electronic device that I hate. Right? I'm just telling you like it is. I'm going to be real. Right? For that split second, I was like, get to the barn, baby. Bring me the batch. We're going to take care of this. Then my studio student tells me, what? Well, yeah, that means we have to buy another one. You got to spend money. Listen, tightwad. It would be worth it to buy a new one at this point. You know what I'm saying? It would make me feel good on the inside, right? My, my point is this where whenever we change and we're bold enough to admit we need to change, there's a great example to follow. Great example. His name's His name's Abba Father. He's the greatest father you'll ever find, the greatest example you ever get. And I just want I just want to end the last, last 10 or 15 minutes talking about him, right? Because here's what scripture says about him, right? Matthew chapter five forty says he's perfect. Well, there ain't no need to follow somebody who ain't perfect and wants to beat up the printer with a baseball bat when you can follow somebody who is perfect. Right? Right? He's perfect. Philippians 4, chapter 20 says, now to our God and our Father, Abba, he should have glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Right? Earthly fathers, if you need an example to follow, let's follow this one. Let's follow what Scripture says about him. And here's the very first thing we know about our Abba Father. The ideal father loves his children. Everything he does is motivated by that love. Not motivated by anger, not motivated by wrath, unless it's because of being first motivated by love. Like, Well, well, Jesus got angry sometimes. He did, but he got angry. Why? Because he loved them so much he didn't want to see the enemy get them. You understand that? I hope we understand because we're quick to always use that. Well, well, anger's okay because Jesus got mad. You're right. He did. And I'm okay to use it. I just want to make sure we understand why he got mad. Because if your motive is wrong, you're in a heap of trouble. He didn't just get mad because they didn't listen. He got mad because they didn't listen, and that meant that they were starting to follow what? The enemy side. Okay? So an ideal father. ideal father loves his children. 1 John 3.1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we could be called his children. How do you think that manner is that, that Brother John is writing about? You, you, ever, you ever been to a home where you know like there's love in it? And you ever been to a home where you know there's not? Like you ever went over to one of your friend's house, and you could tell there were some heated moments right before? Huh? Or, or like if you came up right after a heated moment existed, like you could feel it in the air, right? Like you got everybody like, just, you know, in that weird little, I don't know what to do. It's like a Ricky Bye. I don't know what to do with my hands. You, you just put them down and start praying, right? <laughs> but think about it. But then you also like know those moments where like, like, like the moment has been, has been right. Right? Like the, the, the mood is said it's cozy. It's warm. It, it's just a good feeling, right? Eternal welfare is what somebody had in the heart of, of those in that room. That's it. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.16, God the Father has loved us and given us an everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. He's got a sacrificial love. And please hear me the same thing I told you men last week about your when you. When you want to come to me and tell me, oh, you don't understand, I would die for my kids. You won't live for them, so you won't die for them. You understand that? When it says sacrificial love and it says giving up your life, that means you give up the things you enjoy doing sometimes. That's what it means. It's not sacrificial love if you never have to give up anything you do, right? You're like, well, I I take them with me everywhere I go. They hate where you're taking them half the time. Let's just be honest about it. Right? I'd go to a football game Friday, Saturday, and Sunday if I had enough money, but I finally realized there were some times they were going to games they didn't want to go to. So now I ask before I spend a bunch of money on tickets. Huh? Hey, do you you want to go? When they tell me no, I can say this because they're not in here, right? Y'all don't tell them. When they tell you no, I'm like, oh man, I had the tickets in the cart. all I had to do was hit submit. You don't understand. But we don't go. Why? Because what good is it to sit there and they're miserable at all the whole time? That ain't good quality time. It was like a punishment. Huh? Then you get moments where your little girl wants to go to one with you and you're like, really? You almost want to talk her out of it because you don't understand why she wants to go. And all that, and then she goes and like she just wanted to be right there to chat the whole time. You don't understand, man. It, I can say it because she's upstairs. It was so much chatting going on, the guy beside me at the end of the game goes, I didn't think she could ask you one more question. <laughs> me neither, brother. Me neither. She better be open that in the next game. <laughs> That's all he's right. But man, you know You know how good that feels when like? she put in a little football earrings and just wanted to go to a game to be with me. I figured it out. I was too dumb in the beginning. I was like, well, maybe she wants to run around. You know, those kids that get out there and they run around sometime and go play and, and all this stuff. And then I realized she, she just sat there the whole time right beside me. <sighs> but it was good. I realized it. Each kid's different. Each kid's different. How about the manner of love described in 1 Corinthians 13? Huh? Suffers long and is kind, does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked and thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in the uh, iniquity, but it rejoices the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Is that not the kind of love we're supposed to have for our kids? Is that not the kind of love we're supposed to have for others? Ideal father, Abba father, he loves us. Ideal father knows us. He knows the needs of his children. This is a pet peeve for me, and I'll tell you why in just a second. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, Matthew chapter 6, verse 32. Both of them, Jesus is talking and he tells them, our heavenly father, my father, Abba, he knows the things you have before you even ask. Wow. You know how good you got to know somebody that you know what they want before they ask? Women, y'all listen to me or or men listen to me both ways. It goes both ways. If you think you've fallen in love with somebody, watch what they do for you or watch what they got to ask all the time. If they still asking what your favorite color is after five years, I'm just going to be honest with you. There's a problem. There's a red flag that should be waving. You know what I'm saying? If they don't know how to fix your coffee after you've been living together and been married for for six months, there's a problem. OK. This is not complicated stuff. If you care about somebody, you learn what they like. And it goes both ways. Women, if you continue to bring the car home, not with gas in it, you don't care about what we like. (laughs) I don't care if you've been driving to Columbia four days a week to get your law degree. Right. I'm just saying like that could be an example. I'm not talking about anybody that would be rude in the sermon. Right. Think about it, guys. Think about it. you, You learn what they like. How about how about this? How many earthly fathers are actually concerned enough, observant enough, maybe I should put it that way, or communicate enough to know what their children's true needs are? You want to know our favorite thing? I'll just, let's just go ahead and get it out there, right? Our favorite thing is dad is this. Take him to their mom. I don't know what they want. Am I wrong or am I right? Okay. If I was wrong, maybe it was just me. Huh? If it was just me, that's fine. I'm repented for mine. Right? I'm getting into heaven still. Huh? Think about it, though. What do we do? Now, it's one thing when they're little and they're whining. You you ever notice how much a mama notices about a baby? They got like a special power. I'm serious. They do. They got a special power. They can hear a cry and know if it's the cry for a diaper, for a bottle, or just for wanting to get out of the bed. I think they're faking it half the time. Because I wouldn't know the difference. You know what I'm saying? Like, she'd been right every time. Huh? But he got this ability to, to at least pretend they know what each cry is. And then, then they've got this, not, not to be too blunt, but to be honest, this is a really cool connection for real. Don't take it the wrong way, right? Like they've got this, they've got such a strong physical connection and emotional connection with the child. They can feel when that child wants. You, you, some of you ladies can, can, can testify. Some of you men who have been there can testify. Like, like when it's time to feed, a, a woman knows, right? She can, she can feel it, literally. She's like, oh, it, it's time to feed. I got to let some of this stuff out. Right, but that, that, that's how connected she is with her child. That's awesome. I mean, that is cool, man. Right? That's some good stuff. Why don't we get that connected? Come on, man. Huh? i tell you why. Because we don't want to pay enough attention. Right? We want somebody else to handle it. We make excuses. You know, you, you know what? I, when I, in my notes, what I wrote down, and it hurt to write down this word with the word father beside it because it comes from a, a story that had a son about it in Scripture. I wrote down we're prodigal fathers. You know what the prodigal son did, right? He went off and squandered stuff so he could make himself feel good for a little while. That's what we do as men sometimes. We become prodigal fathers, right? We, we, don't, we don't care enough to even ask our children what they want or what they want to do or pay enough attention to check it out. Why? Because we're involved in the game, the TV, the newspaper, or something else to self-interest us instead of them. Ouch. That's what Vodie would say. Let's move on. Ideal father provides for the needs of his children. This works. This is a good transition, man. Why? Because you can tell when, when you're not meeting a child's needs by the way they react, right? You can tell when they don't like what's going on in the situation, right? If you can't tell, you're either blind or dumb, right? Think about it. You can see that that anger raging up or whatever before it pops. So why not stop before you push them to the popping point? I'm not going to lie to you like me, me, at least me and Paxton. Now, I tell you, ours are all wired very different. And that's okay. That's good. But with Paxton, like, I, I, I can poke that thing. Like, in a good way. And he likes to be poked. Maybe he doesn't like it. Maybe that's a weird way of putting it. He's okay with being poked to a certain level. But it, that took practice. I'm not telling any man to jump into this. Right? Because I poked too far for too long. Right? But now I've learned, like, I, I can poke. And I can poke. And then I know when to, all right, I just got my finger there. And I'm not going to hit the last one. That takes training on my part. Right? He had to train me to understand that. That's so why I can, I can yell and tell him to get up off a football field and his mama different kind wired differently. She goes racing down her like it's the end of the world. He got the wind knocked out of him. Get your butt up. You know what I'm saying? Like ain't nothing broke. If it is broke, your army crawled to the sideline. We ain't got no time to stay on the ground. Right? Mama over there running down there with the video. Mama, baby, I don't even know what's up <laughs> Woman, if you cross that fence, you're going to embarrass us all and you're walking home. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm scared. What's going to happen next time? Right? What if he does get hurt? Is she going to run across the fence like that crazy mama that wants to hug on her baby or something? No! <laughs> Ideal fathers provide for their needs of their children because they know the needs of their children, right? What What did he say in Matthew 6 a little bit later after saying that daddy knows exactly what you asked before you ask? asked? Well, he goes, he feeds the birds because he knows what they want. Right. So don't you think he even knows because he cares even greater for you what you want? James says every good and perfect gift we have came from him, meaning that everything I got good in my life was somehow a gift from God. Right. And I ain't talking about just physical bread. I'm talking about spiritual bread as well to satisfy the soul. Right. Ephesians, very beginning of this letter, we read Ephesians one three. What did he say? He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You blessing your kids with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 6-4, as we shifted this, what he's saying is, you gotta, you gotta care about the physical and the spiritual needs of your children. Too many daddies out there neglecting their children's spiritual needs in order to work overtime so that they can provide well beyond what they need materially. And while we're there, since we're talking about both of them, we might as well go there. Maybe y'all should stop wanting so much expensive stuff that don't really matter. That clear enough to every youth? Not yet a youth? Coming up youth? Right? Maybe you put a strain on them because you want and you want and you want and you want. But maybe you should just be satisfied with what you got. Huh? Man, we're awfully quiet. I was too, so I'm not saying it's wrong, right? Many children, we, we, here's the problem. And this is the parent's problem. It's not, I do, I I pick on the kids because, yeah, some of that pushes the parent this way. Let's just be honest. It's the parent who's supposed to be able to say no and yes, right? That responsibility the Lord gave you? Huh? So now why is it sometimes we sacrifice spiritual needs so that we can meet physical needs? What's more important? Didn't we say at the beginning of the saying we're supposed to be raising them up for their eternal well-being, not for their physical well-being? 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 8 it says, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those in his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Yeah, we can say ouch on that one. He's talking to the church, which means what? He's talking to in your home. So that means in your home, you better be provided. But then he says, if somebody in your church needs something, we take it to other relationships, because that's what he's talking about. What is he saying? Like, you better be tending to the needs here, and then you can outstretch your resources out there. You got to get an order right. God is all about order. He's not a God of chaos. Sometimes we mix that up. An ideal father, yes, disciplines his children. What does God say? God says, because I love you, I instruct you, I correct you, I punish you. This is my form of discipline, right? It's the same way we should be. What does what Proverbs chapter 3 says? For, for whom the Lord loves, all capitalized Lord, so about, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Just as, look at the example he gives, just as a father does in his son whom he delights. Well, if we always say verses work both ways, what if we switch it all up? Then what are we saying? For if God don't love you, he don't correct you. And if a father don't delight in his child, he don't correct him. So is that what we want to preach then instead? No, we want to preach what the verse says, right? Chapter 13, verse 24 it says, he who spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly at the right time. At the right time. Proverbs 23 says the word beat with the rod. Now, I want to point this out because we read this thing and we take it two two totally opposite ways. And there's a problem there, guys. Oh, I'm supposed to beat him. That ain't what it means. No. You got to beat them. Right. We we use it two ways. Some people go against it because we don't like the way it sounds. And then the other people, we go too much into it. Angie, when you start cooking, I'm glad he pointed that out. It's about time you start. Right. You may bake a cake. What you got to do to bake a cake. You got to beat some eggs. Am I right? Is that the same beating as a child? But it's the same word. Is it not the same word? We're like, oh, what does that mean? That means when you look at the Hebrew of this word, you're checking out, it's to mold something in a way to make it have the purpose it's supposed to have. Oh. You beat an egg. It works with bacon so good. You beat an egg. Why? To create a cake. You beat a child. Not with your fist, by the way. Right? But, 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 but you, you mold and shape a child. What? To create them and who they're supposed to. Be or who they should be, what they can be. Almost on time. Matthew 6 14, he forgives. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. An ideal daddy forgives his children. We don't hold grudges. You know what I'm saying? We got enough problems in our household from grudges that have been held for too long. We need to have started having some forgiveness. Notice how we ended with forgiveness on our kids. We, we ended, I don't know if you remember last week because we got to the end real fast, but we ended with forgiveness of our spouses. You get over stuff, man. you got to. you got to. And some of you are sitting there and you're wondering, how in the world can I do this? Go back to Ephesians 5, 18. You don't do it by getting drunk on wine. You do it by getting filled with the spirit. Colossians chapter three, verse 16. Talks about the spirit life, empowering us to do this stuff. Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another and all wisdom and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in our hearts. You see what it's supposed to do when we get filled with the spirit? Huh? How do you train your child? How, how did Moses and Joshua train their children? Go back to Deuteronomy chapter four. You remember how they did it? And I'm not telling this is not a, an ending. We're like, Oh, every father should be a pastor. No, I'm just telling you to tell them about Jesus. what they do in Deuteronomy chapter four? What'd he tell them? You keep telling them about this stuff over and over and over again. Why? You remind them of how faithful. I didn't know it was on the screen. You remind them and you remain faithful to Yahweh. You remind them how faithful God was to you. Why? You remind them of the commands that he's preached to you. Why? So there comes a time in their life where they look back and they remember. And they pass it on to theirs. And they pass it on to theirs. You tell them, man, he can part seas. He can make walls fall down. He can make the blind see and the lame walk and the dead come to life. Our God is awesome. Right? Maybe I should do it this way. You know, there's always this test. There's this test where you can ask kids and your wife or spouse about what's most important in your life, right? So that's how we're supposed to be going. What if I was to ask dads how awesome your kid thinks your hunting gun is or your bow? Or your new car, your motor part, your lift kit, your new tires, your new wheels, motorcycle? Huh? What would they say? Some of them smiled just now, so I know you done bragged about something this week. Right? About your team that's finally winning. It ain't won games in years. Right? We five and one, baby, but we do have a hurt quarterback, so it's all right. Uh huh. So you gotta think about it. What is it that we brag about to our kids that we tell them is so often? I mean, so awesome. What is it we tell them often is awesome? Uh huh. Is it the Lord? Is it the Lord? Psalm 71, David writes, this is good, man. I want you to hear what David's saying. I'm going to use two more verses. He says, even when I'm old and I'm gray, Father, Abba, God, do not abandon me. Then I will proclaim your power to another generation, your strength to all those who are to come. Your righteousness reaches heaven. God, Father, Abba, you have done great things. Who is like you? Well, what is David saying to God? He's saying, God, I want you to be with me so I can tell everybody else how awesome you are. Do we have that kind of attitude in relationship with Christ? I want you to be with me for the sole purpose of me just being able to tell everybody else how awesome you are. Me you to be able to cut on lights for them to see. Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. Abraham and his his, his uh his stuff. It says, For I have chosen him. Now, if, you, if you got your Bible, I want you to just write a little note. What? For what? I have chosen. What have you chosen him for? In order that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of Yahweh by doing righteousness and justice. Why? I want you to write the word why. In order that Yahweh may be bring, Yahweh may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about to him. What, what is God's plan? To bless all the nations. Through what? Through Abraham's offspring. How? By him teaching his offspring how to obey God. We always talk about wanting to change stuff outside, right? We always want to correct this world and and get it back on the right path, right? Are we not having the same principles probably that Abraham should have? Should it not be if we would check check our stuff into the next generation, then the next generation would take it out there and keep it going? Is that not what he's saying? God's plan for a collapsing culture is for us to be responsible and do this. Now, now, he's not going to make you. I can't make you, but we can both encourage you. We can both help you and make you understand through stuff like this where God commands, man, I need you to step up as parents. And I need you as kids, youth, young adults, those still at home. Maybe if you're old enough, you need to get a job and get out and that'll solve a lot of issues. But maybe if you're not not still there, right? Like, I, I need you guys to understand, like, this is how you obey and this is how you honor. Last last note you need to write down, discipline develops, it doesn't destroy True discipline, since we're talking about discipline, right? True discipline develops. It doesn't destroy. If your existence behind disciplining your child is to destroy them, you've missed the mark. But if it's to develop them into what God has designed them to be, something real special can take place. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for our time with you. We thank you for your word, God. We thank you that you care enough about the home life, Lord God, to spend so much time, And these verses with us on it. Father I pray this morning God. That if we hadn't been heeding to your example. Lord that we will open our eyes. Open our heart. And open our mind. To see the changes we need to make. God if we hadn't been honoring our. Our parents. Above all if we hadn't been honoring you Lord God. As our spiritual father. Lord I pray that you open our. Our eyes to see that as well. See the changes that need to take place, God. See what we need to do. See what we need to start practicing. God, help us to get our behavior right because we got our beliefs right. God, I feel like if we are, if we were motivated the way you've written this letter to us, Lord God, the right way, where belief comes first, understanding comes first, doctrine comes first, Lord God, we'd be following with joy in our hearts through the rest of it. Make it joyful for us, Lord God, to follow you. In your great and holy name we pray, amen.